Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. This actual passage of scripture is one of my most favorites, um, but it, bear with me, it has a lot of names I had to practice in here, so. and a couple that might read different than they're actually pronounced. So 1 Samuel 1, 1 through 20, there was a certain man from Ramathame, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jo-ro-ham. And the son of Elahu, and the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, the Ephraimite. He had two wives. Everybody say two. We don't do that anymore, I'm just saying. Okay. One was called Hannah, and the other was called Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Pinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, you, why are you weeping? Why do you not eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, anybody been there? Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. She made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and she and said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked for. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she wept, excuse me, then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with his wife and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. 
She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. We're going to talk about this story today, but first, let's go ahead and pray. Would you join me right now? Lord, right now we um, just pause. The beginning of a new year. And just ask, Lord, that you would do a new work in our lives. We want to give you permission right now to do something new, something different. Lord, we trust you for whatever that is. Lord, I pray that right now you would prepare our hearts for all that you have for us in this new year. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be in a posture to receive, to respond, and to obey no matter what, Lord Jesus. I just pray, God, that you would do a new work in this new year. Lord, I'm believing for a new season for so many of us, Lord, in this new year, Lord, and I pray that you would release something new spiritually, supernaturally, God, that you're going to release something new in us. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you would speak to us today, starting today for this next year. And God, I ask that you would release a new thing, Lord. Would you release a a, a new prayer in our life today, Lord Jesus? Let it happen by the power of your spirit, Lord, because you're amazing, you're awesome, and you're powerful, and you are real, and you are loving. Lord, would you do it right now in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? Oh, guys, here we go. So, hey, this week I was uh, reading this article, and something just struck me in this article. Get this. Digital marketing experts estimate that the average American is exposed to around 4,000 to up to 10,000 advertisements every day. And I stopped as I was reading, and I thought to myself, dear Lord, that is a lot. The lowest is 4,000. Upwards to 10,000 on average every single day. And as I sat there and I thought about that, two thoughts came to my mind. Okay, so two predominant thoughts. One of them was this. I just began to think about how the church has the greatest message on earth. Like we have the most important message that the world needs to hear. Yet we're all getting inundated with all these messages and this information and these advertisements and these promotions constantly. How can the church break through the noise and deliver the greatest message that the world desperately needs to hear? And I think if you you talk to people, and no matter where they're at in their faith journey and their spiritual walk, and people would all agree that the world is broken. You see brokenness all over the world constantly and We feel that, we experience that, the world's broken, but Jesus came to fix the brokenness. Jesus came to to heal the brokenness inside of us. There's this thing called sin that, that broke us, broke the world. And Jesus came to fix that, to solve that sin issue. That was a really loud ring. And, and so that's the message that the world needs to hear. They need to hear that Jesus is the hope of the world, that Jesus heals, he restores, he redeems, that he brings freedom and life and eternal life. And so I just pray that God would use us as his people and as a church to deliver that message in, in a world that is constantly getting a lot of messages every single day. And so that just means you and I really have to be salt and light in this world. We got to live this thing out 
It's got to be for reals. And we can't just find ourselves believing in God, but we really got to walk in obedience to him and be the light and the salt that he's called us to be. So that was the first thought. I was like, God, help us to get the gospel message out to the world. The second thought that hit me was this. We have to silence the noise in order to hear from God. And that's a challenge. Like in this information age that we live in, we are now on information overload. In fact, a lot of us would say, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, With all the information that's just thrown at us and all the decisions that we now have to to make, you know that there's this thing called decision fatigue? And that's why some of us feel burnt out and stressed because we're constantly having to make decisions, 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 decisions. We get no reprieve, no rest from decisions. That's one of the reasons why, why this whole pandemic season has been exhausting for us is because we've got to change everything. Like this morning, I was exhausted as we're shifting gears trying to do it. We wanted to do a, a bilingual service with our Spanish church, and that's not happening. And so it just kind of was wearing me out as we're having to make all these decisions. And, you know, decision fatigue is a real thing. This is why some people have chosen to wear the same clothes every single day. <laughs> have you heard about this? They go, they go to their closet. Remember the cartoons? You go to the closet, and it's like that whole closet full of the same shirt. Same thing. <laughs> okay, you're like, that's funny. And then he's like, what should I wear? Okay, there's people that do that because it's one less big decision they have to make every day. I know exactly what I'm wearing tomorrow. You know, some of you pick out your outfit the night before because that helps you in the morning because you can't think straight when you get up in the morning. And so that just helps that whole decision fatigue in the morning. But there's people that do that. Decision fatigue is a real thing. And, and part of it is because we got all this information that's being, just like, it's bombarding us constantly. It's like, I gotta choose about this and, and think about this. And what do I do about this? And should I respond to this message? And it's just, it never ends. In this information age that we have, we're an information uh, overload. And it's so important that we learn to silence the noise so that we can hear from God. And I pray that that would be this season for us. As we go into a season of prayer, we're calling this extraordinary prayer. I'm believing and praying that this isn't going to be a season where you're just going to have ordinary prayer times. It's going to be extraordinary prayer times. And I'm believing that God's going to do something new uh, in this season as you and I seek his face and get more hungry for him. Here's what I'm believing for. God's going to release a new prayer in your life. You ready? God's going to release a new prayer in your life. So I got to be honest and say, this is a message that's stirring inside of me pretty strongly for our church. And I want to be straight up in, and honest about who we are and where we're at. And uh, if you're new to church, to this church, if you're new to the Jesus thing, just please know that the greatest decision you'd ever make in your life is to say yes to Jesus. And to pray the prayer where you're like, Jesus, I need you. I give my life to you. Thank you for taking my sins on the cross. I believe in that. I ask for forgiveness, and I commit my life to you. That's the greatest decision you and I can ever make. And so many of us, we've already made that decision. We've experienced the life-changing power of Jesus in our life. And so to us believers, especially to us, Rivers Church, Spanish and English, I got a word I want to share with us this morning. And I believe God's looking for some Hannahs to birth Samuels. Are you ready? You ready? Are you willing? I hope so. It's easy to say yes on the Sunday morning church when everyone's around here and it feels good, right? (laughs) Are you willing tomorrow when you get up and you start working this new year? God's looking for some Hannahs to birth some Samuels. 
Now, the only thing we know about Hannah is that she's barren, which is actually a pretty big deal. Because in those days, like to bear children, it just meant that you were blessed by God. If you couldn't bear children, people looked at you like you were cursed. And so you were somebody if you could uh, bear children as a woman. That, That was your value, basically. And infertility would have made Hannah worthless in that culture's eyes. And I feel like it's important just to pause and speak to that right now because this is a pain point still for many people. For those that want children, that can't have children, that have tried, that have prayed, that have longed, that have done tests and different things, this is the pain point. I wanna speak to you because I want you to know that God loves you, he hears your prayers, he sees you, and he cares. But I also want you to know that your ability to have children, to carry children, all that, that is not where your identity lies. Your identity is you are his. You are his child. He loves you. He, you belong to him. That is your identity. The truth is we can't find our identity outside of God. And we try to in, in many other things too. We find our identity in so many things. We've got to find it in and through God. And so if that's a, a desire of your heart to have children, I'm believing with you and for you in that. Just please, please hear that. But this is obviously a painful thing. In fact, actually, this is part of me and Amy's story. We, uh, before we had Jude, before we had our first child, it took us quite a while. And we were getting to the place where it was becoming discouraging. And we hadn't reached the point we'd seen many friends. And even through the years, I've seen lots of friends where it had been years and years and years and tests and all this kind of stuff. We hadn't, I've never experienced that, to be fair. But we were getting to this place where it was getting very discouraging. And one night, I think it was a Sunday night, we had a Bible study uh, with some teenagers in our home, and we were going around the circle and doing prayer requests, and we had one girl who was going to lead out in prayer over the prayer request, and Amy opened up in this small group of teenagers, and she says, hey guys, Tyrone and I really want to have a child, and we haven't been able to, would you pray for us? And so the person that was praying for us that night happened to be my cousin, one of our students in our youth ministry, and she began to call down fire from heaven for us. And she was praying for all the prayer requests, but she's like, God, I just read Hannah. I just, she just got done reading through the story. I just, read, I just read through the story of Hannah, God, and she wanted a child, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she believed, and she asked, and you answered her prayer. God, I pray that you do that for Tyrone and Amy. And she's praying fire from heaven for us based upon the story of Hannah. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. This is awesome. Wouldn't you know three days later we found out? that Amy was pregnant. So this is kind of part of our story. I, I, you know, I haven't looked at this story a lot, but every time I read through it, I always remember that moment that someone prayed for us and God heard her based in, and heard our prayers too. And this was a blessing. So this is, uh, it's a pain point, obviously, still in culture, but it was especially uh, for them. Because not only was Hannah barren, but the other wife was letting her know all about it. She was reminding her constantly of what she didn't have. So this added to the pain of everything. And it happened for years. Did you catch that? Year after year. Penina would, would, would attack her and say things like, you know, I'm so glad that I'm blessed of God. Can you imagine some of the things that would come out of her mouth? Like, I'm so glad I don't have to carry the shame of not having children. God must really love me. Things like that. Penina is actually called Hannah's rival. Did you see that? 
So let's look at two verses again here in 1 Samuel 6 and 7. Verse 6, And because the Lord had closed her womb, speaking of Hannah, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. When Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. That means it hurt. She was struggling. She was in pain. And we see that Elkanah, the husband, actually loved Hannah more than he loved Penina, but that didn't seem to help. Hannah was struggling. She was, she was hurting. And what's interesting is that we're told twice in that passage there that God had closed Hannah's womb. So that created a tremendous amount of pressure and tension for Hannah, who's year after year going to God and saying, God, would you answer this prayer? God, would you give me a child? All the while, God is not seemingly answering that prayer. And while that's happening, she's being mocked by Penina. Can you imagine that, you know, just walking in the pain of your own barrenness, but then also hearing from it from the other person who has what you want? Year after year after year. But then one year, something changed. One year, Hannah prayed a different prayer. There was a shift that you can see that took place and and really a dedication that I see that that happened in, in, in her life. You know what I've learned in life, maybe you've seen this and learned this too, is that everyone wants to see miracles. No one wants to be in a place to need a miracle. We love it when we see the miracles, especially in other people's lives. We, we can despise it and not enjoy it when we're in that place of pain, of discouragement, of loneliness, of maybe feeling hopeless, and we need a miracle. We don't like that. But if that's you, let me just speak to you right now and just say, keep believing, keep praying. Keep hoping. You can trust God. Keep pouring your heart out to him. Uh, God hears. God cares. God is going to move and answer your prayers. I I I promise you. He's still the God of the miraculous. So here's what happened in in Hannah's prayer. Let's look at this. Uh, Verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord, and she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. You can see something shifts in this prayer here. And Hannah releases what I would call a new prayer. It was a prayer of dedication, a prayer of commitment. She says, God, if you give me a son, then I will dedicate him to you. He belongs to you. And I don't think Hannah's bartering with God. I don't see her bribing God. What I see here is I see Hannah is now finally releasing control. And she's saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm giving him to you. She had basically reached the end of herself, and she's letting God have control of this whole situation. And when you get to the end of yourself, sometimes that's a good place to be. (laughs) You know? It may not feel good, but it's as if God can say, okay, now I can do something. When you reach the end of yourself, you can start a new beginning with God, is what I've seen time and time again. It's okay to reach the end of yourself. 
Because God's like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Are you familiar with the, the story of the lost son or the prodigal son? It's the guy who got his inheritance and he just ran off. I'm going to do my own thing with my inheritance. And he squandered it all. And then he found himself at the end of himself, in the lowest of lows, eating food with the pigs. And he's thinking, what have I done? This is not how I want to live my life. And he's there. I'm going to go back. He reached the end of himself. When you reach the end of yourself, you can start a new beginning with God. Maybe this year is a year where it's not going to be just a new year. It's going to be a new season. There's going to be a new beginning, maybe in certain areas of your life. Maybe this is a year that God's going to release a new prayer inside of you. And that new prayer that God releases in you is going to begin something new. It's going to be a prayer that seeks to please God and not ourselves. It's going to be a new prayer that seeks his will above my will. It's a, it's a prayer that is, I'm still being honest with what I long for, with the deep desires of my heart, but God, I trust you with the results, and I'm going to let you get the glory out of this. Not, I'm not seeking glory for me. This isn't about me. This is about you receiving the glory, God. It's a prayer that says, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want. It's that type of a prayer. It's a prayer that releases trust and control completely to God, and I think when we get into that place and that position, that's when we can experience the new that God has for us. And what I've learned is that, the, that sometimes God answers our prayers different, but his different is always better. God's different is always better. See, here's the deal. Hannah just wanted a son, but God was looking for a prophet to lead his people. And how God answered Hannah's prayer was completely different than she had ever, ever dreamed or realized God was getting ready to birth something new, but it started with this new prayer. I think God wants to do that in your life this year too. I think God wants to do that this, this, this year in, in, in our church. But we, we've got to get to this place where we say, okay, God, I trust you fully and completely. You might have something different in mind, but I trust you with the different because your different is, is better. And God, man, God wants to bless. He wants to give you uh, the desires of your heart, you will have the greatest pleasure you can ever have from God, uh, but oftentimes it comes through us trusting him and not just uh, achieving everything we feel like we need to achieve. Okay, so as I look at this prayer and see what's playing out here, I think this is a good reminder for us as parents that our children are a blessing from God most of the time, right? <laughs> I mean, all the time, right? Yeah, <laughs> They're a blessing from God, but they belong to him. They are his. They're not ours. And we can find ourselves as parents having desires and having plans, and this is what they're going to do, this is what they're going to do, this is what they're going to do. And maybe that's not what God has for them. And we got to trust God to work in them according to his will in their life and the giftings that he has given them. We can't set up all these plans and expect our children to fulfill the plans that we have for them. We've got to trust God because they don't belong to us. They are his. We're a steward. We get to parent and love them and guide them. And so we've got to release them to God even now, not just someday when they leave the home, but even now and trust God and say, God, help me. Give me wisdom. Because I don't want to be one of those parents that lives vicariously through the success of my son or my, my daughter. And too many parents try to live vicariously through their kids. And they want to live through the successes, but not the failures. When the failures happen, oh, they just, it, just, it gets bad. And we forget about that. And so we want to, this is why we do child dedications when, when the kids are little, because it's in the very beginning, we want to dedicate our kids to God. 
and say, God, they belong to you. Help me raise them the best that I can, but ultimately, God, they're yours. This is also a reminder to all of us that everything we have belongs to God. Everything. If I got kids, they are the Lord's. All of my possessions, my stuff, it is God's. My job, it is God's. All my finances belongs to the Lord. All the toys, the stuff, it is all the Lord's. And when I have that posture and perspective, when that really is where my heart is at, then I can live in freedom. It's freedom because God has his rightful place in my heart in every area of my life. The truth is, we can put those things above God, and therefore God is not our God. He might be in some areas, but not in, in all areas, and that's he's not fully, completely the Lord of our life. And so we just want to recognize everything belongs to the Lord. It's all his. So as we begin this prayer, uh, this new year in prayer and fasting, let's dedicate our whole life to God. And let's, let's get desperate and cry out to him and really seek his will for our life and for our family. And I'm praying that we can learn from Hannah's example here, that we could just release control to God and trust him and, and, and allow him to release a new prayer in our life, a prayer that's focused on him, a prayer that's focused on his kingdom and, and, and his plans for our life. You see, prayer really is about connecting us to God's will. Did you know that? That's what prayer is. Sometimes we get confused. Prayer is like, I need to tell God what's up. And so I got my prayer list and all these things I'm longing for and I'm believing for, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but sometimes we get a little confused and we think, okay, God, you need to do this. Okay, you need to fix this situation. You need to fix that person because you know what's up with them, God. And we got we all this like, I'm gonna tell God what the, will, what the right will is in every situation. But prayer really is about us connecting to his will. That's what, about, that's what it's about. Not connecting God to our will and our desires and uh, thinking he should act out upon our will. Hey, pour out your heart before God. Be honest. Express the deepest longings of your heart, but then let God do the work. And sometimes what happens, what I've learned is that there's this transformation or a change that happens in us. And that's what God wanted to do, something inside of us. Because I think true prayer, honestly, it changes us before it changes the world around us. And we want the world around us to change and fix this and solve this and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes God's thinking, I'm going to focus on you first. And so true prayer changes us before it changes the world around us. And this is what happened to Hannah. And she began to cry out to God with the longing, the same prayer, I want a child. But then something changed inside of her. And it was a letting go of control. It was a submitting her plans and her desires to God. And I see a parallel between this story and the church today. See, just like Hannah was barren, I think there's a barrenness in the church today. There's a lot of activities, a lot of good things, a lot of ministries, a lot of books and teachings and resources and podcasts, and we got all this stuff going on, but we don't see a lot of long-lasting, life-changing impact happening outside the walls of the church. And I'm not just talking about the church in America, guys. I'm just going to say it and be real. I'm talking about us. Us. And I praise God for the transformations that we have been seeing. And some of you are here and you feel it. God has been changing you and transforming your life in recent months. We praise God for that. But I, I just, 
overall, I just get this sense there's still a barrenness in comparison to what God wants to do in and through our lives. A longing for God to do more, to show us more. And to not just kind of sit back and just keep, like, I got to grow myself and learn. Because we got a lot of information, but not enough transformation. And that's what God wants to do is transform us, transform the world, transform people. And so I'm just believing and in, 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 in speaking and declaring today that God wants to release a new prayer inside of you. A new prayer. Are you ready? Are you willing for this? Because this is going to happen you, with you and Jesus getting alone. It's not even just going to happen this morning. I think to, this morning is going to be the seed that's planted for what God wants to birth in you. You think about this. Penina didn't give birth to Samuel. Only a barren woman who cried out to God gave birth to Samuel. Huh. Penina had her blessings. She was fruitful. There's a sense of comfort. She was comfortable. She had the longings of society. And she wasn't just comfortable. She was competitive, too. Because she didn't just, she wasn't just satisfied with what she had. She wanted to let Hannah know what she didn't have. And so there's this competitive spirit in there. And, and we can't allow ourselves to go that direction, guys. That This competitive spirit that causes us to look down on other people or even look down on ourselves as we compare other people. Because what, what happens is it leads to this comparison thing. We compare ourselves to other people, and they have this. And so because they have that, I deserve that. And what happens is entitlement creeps into us. We think, I deserve it because they have it. And comparison is a scary, scary thing for us to fall into. And we don't even realize it when it happens. It's one of the many blessings of social media, isn't it? Oh, man, God bless social media. But do you know that studies have proven that there has been a skyrocketing in anxiety and depression since social media began. Wow. It was growing, 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 boom. Something happened, and they're like, what? What happened in the years 2010 and 2011? Oh, yeah, social media really took off, yeah. And it's this comparison thing. As we look at the best part of other people's lives and compare it to the worst part of our life, that's kind of how we feel, right? <laughs> And there's so many great things about it, but we've got to be careful because comparison is a trap. It, it, it will chain us down. It will hold us back. It will keep you and I in bondage. And it leads to a competitive spirit. So I wonder how many Christians in the church today are like Penina. They fall prey. They're susceptible to those things. And they pursue that comfortable life. I just got to have my comforts. That's all about what I want. I got my good job. I got my great kids. I got my retirement plan, my 401k. I've got my great Bible studies. But we're not seeing many Samuels birthed. Hmm. But we're comfortable. Isn't it amazing how to, out of this uncomfortable situation, out of this, you could call it a painful situation, a barren woman cries out to God. Something shifts inside of her and something new is birthed. It starts with a new prayer. But the answer came through the cry of a barren woman who wasn't satisfied with where she was at, with where, what was going on. You think about this, guys. Samuel doesn't exist outside the prayers of a barren woman. Sometimes we get so comfortable and we realize there's too much barrenness. 
Hey guys, there's a lot of needs in the world today. And some of us get really passionate about filling this need and this need and this need. Can I say the greatest need in the world, I would call it spiritual poverty, is that people are going to an eternity without Jesus. That is the greatest need in the world. And it's good to serve and help people and provide food and water. and sh- I mean, all those things, it is so good because I believe Jesus would do those things. And so to be a part of those things is maybe something God has stirred inside of you. Awesome, go for it. But the greatest need on planet Earth is spiritual poverty. And I pray that we would look around the world, look around our community and our workplace, and we would see there's a barrenness spiritually. What are we going to do about it? Samuel doesn't exist without the prayers of a barren woman. You think about First and Second Samuel in here. Like, there's two really cool big books in the Old Testament that don't exist if a woman doesn't get hungry and get desperate and cry out to God and never give up. And Samuel was birthed, and Samuel was the guy that God was going to use to lead his people from the time of the judges into the time of the kings. And there's some incredible stories here in First and Second Samuel. You got, you know, the first kings, you're, you're King Saul, and then King David and King Solomon. Incredible, amazing stories that take place in First Samuel and Second Samuel. But it all happens because one woman decided to pray and trust God. An entire nation, an entire future was impacted by the prayers of a barren woman. And I think it's okay for us to be real and honest as we assess where we're at. Maybe you feel like I'm spiritually, I'm just barren. I'm dry. We look around the world, it's, it's, it's barren. The church is barren. Hey, friends, we need a mighty move of God. Yes. We aren't seeing the salvations and the transformations that I believe God longs for. We aren't seeing his supernatural power in our lives. Um, we aren't seeing disciples making disciples who then in turn make disciple making disciples. We aren't seeing all these things I believe God wants to see in and through us. Is it okay for us just to humbly admit that it starts with us? This isn't about, oh, the church in America needs to get its act together. No, that's, can I just say Tyrone needs to get his act together? And I want to lead the way in this, not just in prayer, but in action for our church. And I want you to join me in prayer this month. And let's get desperate and let's get hungry like a barren woman named Hannah. <laughs> let's pray for God's spirit. Here's two things really that I want us to, to rally around together and, and pray about. One is an outpouring of God's spirit. Yes. And two is people receiving God's salvation. Now, there's some things that are going on in your life that you want to pray and you fast for. Go for it. You do that. Uh, but let's together, let's agree for these two things. As we pray and as we fast, the fast starts a week from tomorrow, January 10th for 21 days till the end of January, January 30th. Let's pray and fast together for these two things, an outpouring of God's spirit and people to experience or receive God's salvation. I want to see this more and more. I know God does. The question is, do we really want to see it? Do we really? It's easy for us to say it on a Sunday morning. But I do know this, God responds to the prayers of the hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to righteousness, for they will be filled. Are you ready for something new? Are you ready for a new season? Hey, Rivers Church 
was birthed out of prophetic word. The name was birthed out of prophetic word from Isaiah 43. And let's look at that again in this new year. Isaiah 43 is what it says. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Here we go. So, God is saying to you through these words, don't live in the past. Don't dwell in the past. I want to do a new thing in your life. It's not just a new, a new year. I believe there's going to be a new season that's going to happen through a new prayer. God wants to do something new. Ready? We're not going back. We're going forward. We're not living according to our past memories. We're going to live according to the dreams that God has stirred inside of us. Our dreams are going to be bigger than our memories in the past. And so we're moving forward. God says, I'm doing something new. And he goes on to say this. Uh, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And let's be honest. Sometimes we don't. And so this is why we say, God, give us eyes to see so we can perceive it. This is God revealing things to us. This is a revelation. God given us an apocalypse like we've talked about in recent months. And I believe God wants to give you an apocalypse, a revelation of what the new thing is that he is already beginning to do in your life or that he wants to do in your life. We can't see it or perceive it unless God really opens our eyes. This is something that spiritually that he does supernaturally in us. By the way, I'm excited to get back to our apocalypse series and we'll get there. Uh, and, and probably in a couple of months, March 1st, I think is, is, is the plan. And we're going to go through the rest of Revelation and go through the rest of the Apocalypse. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Let's finish up here. Uh, verse 19 goes on to say, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What's God saying? I can do the impossible. I can make a way where there is no way. I have that ability and I'm going to do it. I can bring water in a dry and weary land, rivers in the desert. This is the calling. This is the spiritual mandate on our church that we would be rivers in the desert, rivers in this desert. This is speaking and referring to the spirit of God filling us and using us and leading us everywhere we go so that we can be the people God has called us to be so that collectively we can be the church that God has called us to be rivers in the the desert. Hmm. So God's going to release a new prayer inside of you. It's going to happen, church. A new prayer is going to be released in our church here. Like I said, we're not just in a new year, but I think God's got something new, a new prayer. It's going to happen. Whatever that prayer is, it's going to be birthed by God. It's going to come out of a place of desperation and hunger where you and I just hit our knees and say, God, I just need you. I want you. And I want what you have for me more than anything else. I release control. I release all my desires. Lord, here's the desires of my heart, but I trust you, God, would you move? That's where it's going to be birthed. We've got to let go and allow God to move. But here's what I know is that whatever he births inside of you, this new prayer that he releases inside of you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. So let's start right now. Let's pray. Let's pray, God, would you start it? Would you begin it right now? Release something new inside of me right now. Why don't you stand to your feet, guys?
Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.